What does it mean to live with less stuff and more compassion? That's the question we aim to answer every Monday on the Minimalist Vegan Podcast. Hi, my name is Michael and I'm joined together with my wife, Marsha, every week to talk about the intersection of minimalism and veganism. Uh, we started off actually writing articles and recipes uh, of which you can find on our website, theminimalistvegan.com. In this episode, we're talking about downsizing your life, you know, how you can use minimalism to pare down things, give yourself the mental capacity to think about what you really want to get out of life. So we talk a lot about the social triggers of society and the expectations your friends and family put on you and and how that might trap some of your perspectives and what you really want to do. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. I hope it gets you thinking about how you can start to craft a life that you really want. And uh, look, I'll check in after the episode to fill in any gaps. Hello, Michael. Hello, Marsha. <laughs> Are you looking forward to this? Always. I always look forward Aww, to our conversations. That's so nice. You say that on air. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I do. I realize I say that every time, but I do always look forward to these conversations. Yeah. But in this episode, it's going to be a combination of some of the topics we've kind of covered in the past. Yeah. Uh, Because it's all about using minimalism to downsize your life. And I think if you look back at episodes around when we talked about minimalist money or managing expectations, I think this is a combination of that, but it's also stems from an ongoing conversation you and I always have about kind of defining your own success and how minimalism has helped us to do that. Yeah. So we've got a few talking points to sort of work through here, but to get things kicked off, I wanted to talk about their idea of overextending Mm. and upsizing our lives, like this, Mm. this idea of wanting more. And, you know, if you look back to our book, we, we labeled this as something called the more virus, this concept of desiring and defining your success by having more things in your life or having access to more money, having access to bigger houses, um, better universities and all of these things that come culturally, come from your environment that you grew up with uh, in and just generally society. And I just wanted to paint a picture of... Um, some of the challenges that presents. And I'm not saying in this conversation that having more depending on who you are is necessarily a bad thing. It might actually sincerely make you happy mm. um, because of the impact that you may be trying to make or the the feeling that you get or the your value you get. Your goal is deeper than just yeah. actual money Absolutely. for yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. But I think all of this comes... Like, okay, we, we watched a, a YouTube clip, which we'll link to on the show notes about this guy who had a cushy government job at $80,000. He bought a, he was single. He bought a four-bedroom house first and then he upgraded to a condo, but only to realize that he was really unhappy. So he actually made the decision to quit his cushy government job. Mm. And where did he work in a, a in a grocery, in a grocery store, store part-time? Yeah, 3 days a week. Um so he could have the rest of the week to sort of work on himself mm. and he started riding into work and he started to get a bit more happiness. Now he admitted it didn't solve all of his problems, but he, it got him on the right path to figuring out what he really wanted out of life. Mm. 
And and that might not work for everyone. His setup might not be what you would want, but that's what he wanted and he went after that. Yes. He actually took the time to assess, step away from everything and go, if I keep working in this job, is it actually going to continue bringing me success, personal fulfillment? Yep. Um, or is it just going to make me feel like I constantly need more to get a promotion so that I can afford this lifestyle? Yeah. Because I have this mentality of the more virus. Yes. Exactly right. And and I think it's a really hard thing to break out of that train of thought. Mm. And I don't know if you can think back to, because our upbringings are quite different, but if you can think back to like your adolescence or teen years, did you have a perception of what success was back then that was different to what the way you see it now? Not really because I always pinned success for myself, maybe how society saw it, I saw that then differently. But yep. for myself, I saw success as doing something that I loved that made me a lot of money. Sure. So it's still always following your passion, but having a successful passion that brings in money that almost shows to other people that you can do something that you love and still be quote unquote successful. I see. And you mentioned something really interesting in that sentence about showing other people. Yeah. As soon yeah. as I said it, I knew you'd <laughs> pin me on that. Well, because... Because I'm a people pleaser. And especially in the line of work that I was doing, um, which was photography, I yep. kind of wanted to show people around me because even like you think that what we're doing now is weird to a lot of people. That was weird to people as well. Yeah. Following a photography career. I think in the back of my head, I always thought that people were thinking that, oh, she's not smart enough to be academic. Yeah. You know, that was my perception of what my photography degree meant to other people. Yes. And that it was just more of a hobby, you know, like you do photography as a hobby, not as a career. Yes. But, that was probably what I put on myself. It wasn't that anyone was putting it on me. It was just like everybody else, you know, I had friends that were studying law, friends that were, had really well government paying jobs. And so it was this whole like, but here I am starting my own photography business, mm. trying to find clients and get them to pay me a few thousand dollars yeah. for a shoot. Yeah. So it was, it was very different. Um, but I've always been down that path. So for me, it's not really anything weird. Yes, I'm a people pleaser, but first I'm a pleaser for myself in yeah. what I want out of life. I quickly can tell if I'm going to be dissatisfied or if it's something that I actually want to be doing. Yeah, I noticed that about you when we first started dating. You had this energy of not wanting to settle for anything, uh, which is really ad admirable. And But I'm I'm curious with the photography thing because... You're right, like you were like a, a really quite a solid student. So you probably had the ability to go on and study a variety of different subjects at university, but you chose photography. And yes, you got a degree in photography, but it was a quite an unconventional path mm. um, because it was through a TAFE institution. Yeah, rather than a university. Yeah. So I wonder like when you made that decision. Uh, I made that decision very clearly because I knew the difference between in in the city that we live in, what the difference between a degree from a university meant for me yep. for photography versus one from TAFE. 
So TAFE was practical, hands-on, how to make money, how to start your own business. Whereas uni was learn how to draw, like you literally do all of the arts, you do sculpting, you do theory, you do art history, you do all of those things. And for some people that's great, but that's not the path that I wanted to go down. And I thought snooze, I don't want to literally be sitting there for three years doing all of these things that are not actually going to help me start a photography business at the end of it. Yes. So you knew what you. I was was. very practical in the way that I approached it. And I could, you know, I could have gotten into the uni because I topped the art section with my photography scores. So I actually had the choice of what I wanted to do. Yes. Um, So if I wanted to go to the art school at the university, I could have done that. But I knew quite clearly that that's not, my sister did something similar, but she did painting. Yes. It depends on what you're doing and on your purpose. Yeah. But for me, I knew that, well, that's not, no, it's not really going to serve. Yep. the purpose that I want to achieve anyways. Yes. Okay, that's that's interesting. And uh, did you say snooze before? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Lol. <laughs> that's my sister's influence right there. Oh, man. You said snooze. Okay. Um, so you're... <laughs> at, at any moment when you made that decision, did you feel any shame or embarrassment from society or were you 100% convicted in that choice to follow through to TAFE rather than I mean in the back of my head it was like not really in what I actually wanted to do yes I don't remember sitting down going oh but you know it's gonna look bad I didn't actually care yes because I knew what the end goal was for me and at the end of the day it was my life not somebody else's that I was living so that was important for me to set myself up yep. rather than what's going to look good on paper. I mean, both of them look good on paper, Yep. but at the end of the day, I needed to learn how to shoot well and, you know, learn about lighting, learn about... We still did history, don't get me wrong. We still had aspects of that, sure. but it was more practical rather than theory. Yeah. Which makes sense for photography, something so practical. Yeah, unless you want to be a lecturer or if you want to be an art historian or a photography curator or something of that nature, then that's different than go to uni for that. That makes a lot of sense. But to start your own portrait business or your own food photography business or your own wedding photography business, TAFE in in our city made – it was a no-brainer to go there. Yeah. So – It never, I don't remember, I mean, this is like now, what, 12, 13 years ago, no more, 15 years ago when I was deciding, it was a, I don't think that it really phased me because at that point I didn't actually really care that much. Sure. Well, that's, that's a really great place of strength and that probably speaks to your character and your upbringing to not care so much. I have a different experience. I haven't shared this with you before. Um... But I remember when I was studying at university. I remember the first time round, and I was hanging out with my brother in Melbourne with his friends. And my brother's like 11 years older than me. And he's a you know, high-end accountant, executive accountant for a big four firm. And the people... And at the time, I was studying accounting, right? So the people in his circles are all from this big four corporate environment. And I went, went out for drinks at a party and I remember he was introducing me to friends mm. and uh, it was it was 
I remember feeling a little bit embarrassed because of the university that I was going to. Oh, really? Yeah, because uh. because the type of university and the perceived quality and standard of the university is really important to this clique of people. So when you introduce yourself, it was just like not only you know, what you do for a profession, because they're a lot older than me, but like, oh, what are you studying and where you're studying mm. um, is a big deal. And I know in Australia, this is a pretty big deal, but I know especially in America and the UK, where you study is like really important. Mm. Some employers only hire people from a specific I mean, um, college or university. We know even living in Australia, we know a lot of well-reputable universities in both the UK and the US yeah. based on... The fact that so you know they're in movies, they're in yeah, they're everywhere. It's, so you it's actually part of our know, culture, like in yeah. Hollywood, we learn about Yale and Stanford and Harvard uh, and yeah. uh, Oxford in London. Like we learn about these universities, and um, and 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 I look back at it now and I laugh, but at the time it was a very real feeling, and it, and then it got me thinking about some of these triggers in society of what success is. So we talk about career. Mm. Um, and, and having a reputable career. And and for everybody who wants to generally help people and be a strong negotiator as a lawyer, that's fantastic. Mm. But then it's it's one thing to have a passion for those skills and changing the world through those skills versus showing to your friends and family and your community mm. that you're reputable. Yeah, You're a reputable human being. Mm. You're an intelligent human being. Mm. And the same thing for many fields of work that come hand in hand with this university, with this job. But it's also not even that, sorry to cut sure. you off, but it's also going through that study and having one perception of what it is, finishing that study and going, crap, it's not what I actually thought that it would be. Yes. But sticking it out because you've invested that time and the expectations from other people are for you to follow it through. And yes. the expectation from yourself as well. It's like I've invested four years of my life into this study. And money. Yeah, yeah, and money. So it's almost like, oh, I need to follow through because of what I've invested up until this point, not because it is what you thought that it would be and you're excited about it. Yes. But that's another aspect to look at when that's also what other people might think of you. Like, Absolutely. oh, you started this and now you're quitting. You know, like yeah. we've quit so many things before. It's laughable. Yeah. We have, don't but we have a podcast we episode on quitting? <laughs> yeah, but we don't actually, we don't care. It's shaped no. us to be who we are today. Yeah. Like I think the biggest blow to my family was when I wrapped up my photography business, especially my mum. She still to this day introduces me to people as a photographer. Yeah. Because she really believes in me as a photographer. Yep. And loves my work, but it's not really part of my identity anymore. Well, you do a fair bit of it. It is, yeah. 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 But it's not, you know, like I feel like if she she introduces me to someone as a photographer, that it's like, oh, so what kind of photography do you do? You know, like people start thinking how they can potentially maybe book you as a photographer. And then yeah. I go, well, hang on, no, 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 I don't do that anymore. Yep. It's almost like you need to clarify. I think that's a really valid point about uh, parents and and their expectations of you as well, and them being proud of you. Mm. Uh, because because I'm starting to think, okay, we're, we're talking about careers, we're talking about universities, uh, we're talking about life cycles. 
so at a particular point in life, you know, the, the, the triggers of success might be getting a mortgage for a property. So the standards increase the standards, as you get older. Correct. Yeah. It might be having children, mm. um, you know, all of which we've discussed before. And all what, of which we also <laughs> plan to probably not do uh, as well. <laughs> yeah. But, but I'm really fascinated. Like, and this goes deeper than just even buying a property. It's also about where do you live? Do you know what I mean? So society might dictate how you feel about yourself depending on where you live. Yeah. Like maybe your suburb is not well-renowned in your area mm. and your whole goal in life is to get out of that sub- suburb and move to an area that has a high reputation, that's got a closer lake, that's got closer to the city. Yeah. And so people might be like, oh, where do you live? Oh, oh you live there? Like, Mm-mm. I want to talk... pigeonhole you. It's interesting yes. the amount of things that when you first meet a person the questions that we ask each other and how we position them in society depending or in our minds, depending on what the answers to those questions are. Yes. So, I mean, for people like us to go somewhere, it'd actually be really interesting to do an experiment and once meet someone, have the conversation with them about what we do and and then ask them at the end of it, like half an hour, an hour into it and just ask them, so... In all honesty, what is your opinion of us? Like, where do you position someone like us in society, in your right. mind? Yeah. I think it would be a really interesting experiment. Yeah, it probably would be. Because it is it is different, but I think it comes down to where did these triggers of success come from? And why do they have such a strong hold on us? Because... Ultimately, the the value we've seen in minimalism to combat this more virus has enabled us to move away from those social norms and triggers and pick and choose which one of those are actually relevant to what makes us happy. Yeah. But I'm really interested to now sort of look at how our upbringing and um, advice and opinion of others shape our ideas of success mm. because it's it's really easy to say that, oh, I don't care about what other people think. Mm. Um, you hear quite a few people say that. I, I think basically everybody to some extent cares about what other people think. Yeah. I care about what other people think. Yeah. And and I think it, it really starts with your parents mm. um, because – or whoever raised you because, you know, they're the ones who are changing your diapers – they're the ones who are feeding you meals. So there's an element of ownership that they have over you for your life because of that responsibility that they had to raise you. Mm. So, uh, and with that responsibility can come expectations. And that's probably where it starts. And then again, it comes to your friends. Do you mean as in like expectations to make them proud as the fact that you're their child? Absolutely. Or expectations also that they have from you? Both. Right. Because I think, um, you know, depending on what family you come from, there might be really strong value on education. Mm. And not just any education, but the best education Mm. at the best possible institution Mm. and have a career path this particular way. You know, there might be some values to be creative if you're not creative. There might be like whatever your parents are kind of interested in and what they've seen successful is what they know is what they're going to teach you. And the phrase make me proud is really interesting because it's like 
it can go in both ways as the questions that I just posed before is you making them proud for them to show you off or you making them proud because they want to feel like they're doing a good job for self-validation as well. Validation for their parenting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and maybe they've had great sacrifice Mm. to raise you and most of the time that's the absolutely case. absolutely yeah. but i think it's it's interesting like if i look at my own journey because uh, our upbringings are very different but you know, i come from a very uh, kind of academic family um, because that's that's been the tool and the vehicle that helped us sort of migrate from ghana west africa to australia and to have the opportunities that we have in this country. So the the basis for that was around education. So that was a really strong uh, value in our household. Not even education, studying something that actually will bring me bring you a good job. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so with this strong, you know, values around education and 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 a secure career, it it played a lot in my mind mm. growing up and it 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 took a lot of a lot of inner work to sort of break away from that and start to think more independently um, of that, it, despite it being good intent. Um, but I had to really figure out what success looked like for myself. Mm. And and I think so. Parents is one thing, but then you have you know who your classmates with your friends. Um, you you got people you look up to. There's all these these influences that if you go against that grain or start to think differently or be your weird self, it can come with guilt, shame and isolation embarrassment, isolation. Well. Yeah. So it's, in, it's so terrifying. To fit in yeah. to what, you know, society, family, yourself, like everyone expects of you, you can't be left field. You yes. have to be in that lane of, of just going along with it, nodding yes. along through life and saying, yep, this is, you know, this is what I'm going to do because everyone else approves of it. Yes. Yeah. So, like, I don't know, did, like, did you experience any of that type of pressure? And it might not have been explicit, but it could have just been in the background. I think it could be suburb, was... it could be where you're living, it could be... Everything. like I think for me, like growing up and having a family and parents that didn't have like your typical jobs, you know, my mom being self-employed and my dad working in a school and was a bit different to most other families. Yeah. And we never really had a nine to five in our household. It was yeah. always different hours and my family was always pretty much there. So to like go to my friend's houses and their parents are at work both at the same time, Monday to Friday seemed a bit weird to me mm. because I grew up in a family where it wasn't like that ever. Yeah. So maybe, I don't know if I saw that as a disadvantage well, or what about beyond your or, family? What about like social circles or anything? Did you ever feel that those triggers of success start to consume you a little bit and about the way you saw the world? I always felt stupid around my friends. Right. I always felt that I wasn't as smart as they were, as switched on as they were, because my interests weren't the same as theirs. And I knew that I always thought differently to the way that they did. And at that point in my life, all I wanted was to feel accepted. Yes. So now I realize that 
I am the way that I am and I'm proud of that and I'm grateful for the way that I am rather than feeling like it's a negative thing. Okay, that that is gold right there. I'm proud of who I am and I see that as a positive. Another story. I've got another story for you. <laughs> um, so do you remember when I left real estate and I uh, so I studied accounting finance and went back to university and I took like some like completely opposite classes. So I like, I think I tried to fill out my commerce degree with marketing hmm. and I picked an elective called creativity <laughs> and I really enjoyed that class. And this was like after a lifetime of thinking really practically about life hmm. to now start to explore creativity. And this is when I started getting into blogs and, and things and content and online, the online world. And I remember saying to my friends and family, they're like, oh, so what are you going to do now? I'm like, look, I'm not sure, but I know I want to do something online and I know I eventually want to write a book. And they're all shocked. <laughs> okay. And I've been known to say some outlandish things, but they're like, "What? write a book? What are you even talking? Has he lost his marbles? Like, what is he even talking about? <laughs> Um, Where's your writing degree, Michael? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no, I just feel like I'll write a book one one day, and and they'll and they just disregarded it. And I think being dismissed, when you start to sort of explore yourself, and you start to put yourself out there in different ways, and your sphere of influence dis- dismisses you, mm. that's a very crushing feeling. Oh yeah. And I think the gift of minimalism doesn't necessarily eliminate that feeling that you have from when you're you know feeling discouraged from others but i suppose it helps you define what you want so deeply that the pursuit of writing a book for me was something that i really wanted to do and i was willing to sort of create space in my life to be able to do that that it like i still cared about what other people thought Mm. but my drive to complete the book with yourself um, was higher, was stronger. Yeah. And I think that's that's where minimalism can really create a lot of value and space to be able to explore those things in your life um, and to be able to overcome that. And I should also say that, like, expectations of others, particularly those closest to you, like, they, they have your best interests at heart. And I think more often than not, when we question each other, we're just trying to test to see that you are what you say you are. Yeah. So there's just that constant test and it's kind of like a test to protect you. Mm. So uh, it took me a long time to realize that perspective as well. Mm. But um, that's this one example that I can think of. But but in general, like, do you remember when we first became minimalists? I, I think what was a really important process because we pared down so much and we lived in this like studio apartment, mattress on the bed, and it was just so lean, so simple. But you we'll, mean mattress on the floor? On the, oh, sorry, mattress on the floor. But even the suburb that we were living in was quite isolated from a lot of people in our lives. Mm. And I remember it was really important to actually create a bit of space and separation for a period of time. Mm. Just to give yourself some time to think. Yeah. Um, because I think when you're so plugged into your routine of life, whatever pace that is... Um, whether, you know, you're dependent on family or they're dependent on you, work's really demanding, school's really demanding, um, you've just got a lot of commitments. It's it's so hard to make change based on what you actually want if you don't give yourself space to think about what mm. you want. 
and and not have that influence from other people. Correct. And not have to think about what other people will think of you as well. Correct. Mm. So, I don't know. What would you say to to somebody listening to this who knows deep down inside that they would love some space to think about what their next steps are in life and what they really want to get out of it and how they can perhaps use minimalism to be able to to carve out that time and that space? Well, it can be overwhelming at the beginning, um, but I think that if you just give yourself permission, like literally put it in your diary to give yourself the time to think and to process and it can take weeks. Yeah to analyze every aspect of your life. So when we moved into our studio apartment, we went from a two-bedroom townhouse to a studio. Well, it was a, it was still a one-bedroom, but it looked like a hotel room. Like I remember my mom came in and she's like, oh, you've moved into a hotel room. Like you didn't even have a proper kitchen. Yep. Uh, I think I... I think we both actually surprised her in how much we pared down yep. because we removed probably at least half of the possessions that we had in our lives yep. and then moved into a space where we had no choice but to be confined. Yes. Uh, and to, you know, you don't have to spend as much time cleaning, tidying, thinking about things. Yes, sometimes the dishes was a little bit overwhelming because we didn't have much space in the kitchen, but that's the only thing that I can really think of that was a little bit of a pain. Other than that, it seemed just seemed simpler. Yes. And then we started paring down and, and saying no to things that we had committed ourselves to. And that in itself then it's like, well, what? Okay, if I've said no to this, then I have this time to do something else. What yeah. am I going to use that time to do? Yeah. So you become a bit more intentional with, okay, well, I've said no to this. What can I say yes to? What will that um, opportunity... Yeah, like how would that create more opportunities? Yeah. Yeah, like by saying no. Because like I remember like when we are even in that mindset, it was this huge momentum... I think I think for everybody else in our life, it was like, well, where have these two gone? It's kind of like we went on a sabbatical, but mm. in our own city, mm. because it was quite a few months of just a lockdown. Yeah, and we needed to do that. Mm. We 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 really outside of going to our jobs, like our basic considerations of life, we we really needed to to do that. Now at the same time, we were reviewing everything mm. at, at that time in life and so this was a little bit before we moved into this smaller place right all at the same time like as we transitioned into the smaller place i think you had closed your photography business yeah and your health coaching business i'd closed my astrology blog quit basketball turned down a teaching opportunity like we were just no Say no to this, say no to that, say mm. no to this, say no to that. And not just for the sake of saying no, we said it with intention of actually wanting to pursue something. Yeah, which is a minimalist greater. vegan, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is what we're doing right now. Yeah. So it, it was like the beginning of... The end. <laughs> uh, designing, like crafting our life. But it started with creating that time and it started with saying no, 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 no. Um, so I think if you're listening to this and I think the first challenge with downsizing life and, and this could mean 
downsizing careers, moving to a suburb that's a bit further out. It could mean, um, you know, moving in with your parents. There's so many ways that you can downsize your life, but there needs to be a huge, uh, a meaningful reason as to why you're making those Mm. decisions. And the why is a part a lot of people don't get to because we don't have the capacity to think about that. Yeah. So unless, uh, and we found the most effective way to do that is either by paring down, so physically your possessions or your commitments in life to be able to create that space. But I've known people, and we did this as well, we, we, you know, we traveled a little bit, just to take yourself out of your own environment, to give yourself like a few days a week, a couple of weeks, just to think about what you really want in life and start to make those plans as to how you can downsize to be able to rebuild life the way you want it to be. So there's two different ways of doing this, right? So there's the people that know what they want and then do things with intention from there, which is what we did. So we knew that we wanted to build something together and that it was going to be the minimalist vegan and all of that. And so we had decisions to make to make that happen. Yeah. Whereas there's people that have no idea and really need to give themselves that time to think about what that could be whilst in the process of paring down so they can also start trying different things that can yes. potentially be the minimalist vegan to what to them what it was to us. Yes. So that's a really important distinction whereas some people know, some people don't mm. know. But in both situations, you actually have to give yourself the time yes. to reassess Yes. And even if you don't know what it is, as I said, just give yourself the opportunity to start trying different things yep. so that you can work through that and work it out, whether it's, you know, researching, exploring, joining up things that you've never done before, yeah. but that you've always wanted to so that you can actually explore, explore life yep. in all aspects. Absolutely. So. And it, I think if you can find people in your life that, have a really positive influence on you Yeah. to maybe spend a bit more time with them mm. uh, to open up that perspective and what that might be, what the next thing for you might be. Mm. Um, because sometimes you can get really bogged down in your current relationships that might not be, uh, uh, whilst they're really valuable in a lot of aspects, there could be some parts of it that's not serving you well. Just might not that, be for that yeah, purpose of where you, could what be, you're going through. Yeah, right it now. could be causing a restriction for you mm. uh, and your beliefs in yourself as and well. Doubt, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think that's 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 been really pivotal for us to, to, to create that space to do that. The other thing as well, which later on more recently we've experimented with, is this idea of enough. Yes. And we'll link to... Uh, a TED talk that we listened to as well about this whole whole idea of enough. But um, it links back to the whole minimalist money concept and starting to define just, you know, what our means are. So what when somebody says, oh, it's really good practice to live below your means, to live frugally. Well, what does that actually mean if you don't know what your means are? Mm. So I think the important exercise of figuring out what we like to call your, is your minimum viable income for you to survive. So if you're thinking about, okay, this is what I really want to do in my life, but maybe there's financial restrictions. Okay, well, what would my lifestyle look like if I was to live below my means? Mm. So there's the difference between want and need. Yes. Yeah. 
So, and I think it's actually really important to to maybe do the numbers and try to come up with a a monthly figure that that could really challenge the way you currently live, whether that's fuel costs for your car, uh, repayments for a house mortgage. This could be um, uh, like uh, this could be rent as well. It could be a whole bunch of different things. It could be food, discretionary expenses. You could identify that you spend so much money a week on going out. So there's there's all these different things that you can start to analyze to see if you can actually downsize how you spend money as well. Mm. Um, Because that might feel like a restriction, but actually in many ways that's freedom because you might be getting back your time as you reallocate those opportunities to something that you really want and desire. Mm. But I think you need to see that in writing or you need to see it documented so you can start to make plans accordingly as well. Yeah. So when we see examples of this person who's earning $80,000 a, a year that goes down to a part-time job at a grocery store, you know, he's able to do that transition because he knows that he's able to cut his costs down. He knows he's able to live a completely different lifestyle if he wants to. Yeah. And that's his enough. Yeah, exactly right. And I think the experience that we're in right now is it's kind of proof of enough for us because, uh, you know, we we have really scaled down our costs so much and we're about to do the same thing in our business as well. We have a very lean business, but even then there's a lot of costs that creep up, mm-hmm. like software costs and things like that. So... Like we're constantly pruning, mm. pruning and looking at all of our expenses. What's because, the baseline and yeah, like going from there? Because that pressure that we feel from society to have more mm. and to lock ourselves into more payments for you know a higher perceived standard of life can really chain and lock you down. So the the other side of the spectrum is to really you know reduce your cost so much that you have more flexibility. You know, you you can take more risk Mm. because right now a lot of people are not pursuing what they want because it's perceived too much as a risk. Again, I wanted to write a book, but that's perceived as a risk to to many people, Mm. a a risk of credibility or a risk of being shut down, a risk of not being able to complete the project. But because we're able to pare down, we're able to have the capacity to write a book. Yeah. So, um, you know, this is just one of many examples. So, yeah, so I want to spend the next couple of minutes just talking about some some tangible examples that some exercises that we could all go through. We're still doing this as well uh, as we're deciding to downsize our life. And I think the first mental shift is to think about, you know, in the absence of all of these success triggers and expectations. So in the absence of pressure of what college or university to go to, what suburb to live in, what girlfriend or boyfriend you should have, um, how much travel you should be doing every year, what car you should be driving, what do you actually want to do? How do you actually want to be spending your time? What lights you up inside? So that's the first thing. The second thing is what are you willing to be able to create that life? What are you willing to, uh, to do to be able to create that life? Yeah. So you know a very real conversation to have with yourself is looking at your property like is that your something big ticket items. your big ticket items like your huge fixed costs do you need to be living in the suburb of the house that you're living in right now mm. is there a way to downsize that situation live further out from town or to rent or to sell your property or to 
moving with a friend? Like, what are the opportunities in your current environment to really remove some of that pressure? And still be happy and not yes. feel like you're doing it just to downsize, but to do it in a in a way that will actually still, you'll be at home because I'm a homebody personally. So being in the space that you're in means a lot to me. So don't do it in a, in a way that's going to sacrifice so much. You'll become miserable. Yes, absolutely. Um, but then be so excited about the upside of making that decision yeah, that it doesn't feel honestly, that it doesn't feel like a sacrifice. Yeah, it yeah. is a mindset, and you can always make something look pretty. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so it's um it's definitely a mindset. Well, thing, I remember when we when we that. went to that really small sort of studio apartment property. Um, it was I found it liberating. Oh yeah, me too. I was like, yeah, like it 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 was. So restrictive to what we're used to, mm. but it's like thinking about the freedom it was creating. Mm. I was think I was so high on that mm. that it didn't feel like a sacrifice. It's almost like you've got less responsibility. Yes. Well, you do have less responsibility because there's less stuff and, and less space to think about and care about. Yes. So, and especially when, you know, your bills are included in the rent. Yes. That makes it even more exciting. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, so that's one consideration is your property. The other consideration is your career. So, uh, you know, how realistic is it for you to downsize your career at the moment if it's not serving you, if you're not happy in it? If it's and, stretching, if it's stretching you too much. Yeah. And you might be caught in the cycle and, and this is fine. Maybe, maybe you actually have genuine ambition to, to get promoted because you want to have a greater impact in your role, mm. but you also have to be really honest with yourself to make sure you're not getting caught in the trap of feeling like, you, you know, you, you need, need to more. be, yeah, you mm. need more uh, validation through role or through um, income uh, in society. Because again, we're trying to remove all those success triggers to figure out what you actually want. But see, the interesting thing is, as you, was, you were talking about before, like the car, the house, the boyfriend or girlfriend and all of these things. And I was like, this is the problem with society is that this is all that Hollywood and movies and TV shows and stuff, that's what they paint. Yes. So subconsciously you start thinking that that's what life needs to be about. Yeah. And I think even more more for our generation and younger, it's like, it's Instagram, it's YouTube, it's yeah. it's like... Creating a life yeah. to, to show other people. Like, I just want to be in Ubud six months of the year. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> drinking coconut drinks or whatever. So, it's it's this it, it manifests in so many different ways mm. um, as well. And again, parents, family, all of that. So, yeah, so your career, like how realistic is it for you to kind of remove yourself from that cycle of... If you're unhappy. Yeah, if you're unhappy. Yeah. Like you're feeling like you're more deserving of, of more in your current situation and you're not really happy with your work, but you're working really hard. Mm. Um, is there something else that you could be doing maybe on the side or just different altogether that you feel you feel will bring it's more joy? It's fulfilling. Yeah. yeah. And then the other thing as well is school. And look, we're both products of education, <laughs> um, higher level education. But I, I think it probably needs to be more of a conversation moving forward about the return on investment of you know high level education and and how that plays a role in your life um and and also again removing those success triggers how important is the type of institution that you go to again looking back at Marsha's story she intentionally even though she had the option of going to 
a more reputable university, mm. she chose to go to a TAFE institution because it was going to serve her goals better as a photographer. Yeah. So I suppose it's stepping back and then, again, it's, it's about figuring out what you want out of life mm. and then making and figuring out where schooling fits into that. And not Be- just what it's going to look like on a piece of paper, like what's actually practically going to serve you in life. Exactly right. It's like you could go study engineering for a purpose or you could just go learn programming mm. <laughs> in, 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 in an online course. Like, mm. and It's so much or, easier these days. There's so many courses online and even just work experience, getting yourself, getting your foot in the door. Yes. I mean, sometimes, yes, I understand that they won't look at you unless you have that education. It obviously depends on the career path you choose. Yes. But a lot of the time these days they actually look at your experience rather than your study yes because you can learn so much just on the job yes and if you started at a younger age that'll actually propel you possibly in many ways much quicker than education would and you'll figure out whether you like it or not yeah rather than going yeah. through a 3 4 year degree and, and i going, think that's the problem oh, right where where the the degree commitment is quite a long time and i know mm. it's designed to give you variety Mm. and then it eventually sort of gets more specific as you get further along in your degree Mm. but then i don't know i think short courses are really valuable even leading into a degree before you make a decision to invest that time because how many people talk about getting halfway through their degree and when wanting to change and wanting to stop because it wasn't what they thought it was but maybe you can just take a series of short courses to see if it's something you enjoy and then you can go deep on it. Or even just go do work experience in the field. Yeah. Like I went, I remember the fir- one of the first careers that passed that I wanted to go down was um, be a childcare worker. Really? So work in a childcare centre. Oh, yeah. There you go. I didn't know that. And in high school, I went and did work experience. Yep. And I hated it. I was there <laughs> for a week and I was like, I'm not made for this. Like, I love kids, but no. Like, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So, if I wouldn't have done that, I possibly could have pursued that further on down the track. Yes. And wouldn't have allowed the opportunity for me to actually choose photography in college. Yes. And then to pursue that path. Yes. So, you know, do work experience as quickly as you can. Like, I know that a lot of the time to do certain subjects in school, you have to do work experience. Yeah do it and make sure that you kind of pick a place if you can that you would actually want to work in so that you see exactly yes what the situation is going to be like for and you. even if they're not advertising it's it's fairly easy to pitch yeah work experience oh yeah work i mean experience, it's i mean who wouldn't hey want come come work for us for work experience to see what it's free. like yeah. yeah like i mean it's hey i want to come and be of any help for free just to get an understanding of your industry. Yeah. That's your pitch. Yeah. To whoever decision maker you need to contact in an institution. And there you go. You can, again, but it comes down to time. Mm. You know, do you have a few extra days a week that you can create from downsizing to be able to have that work experience? Yeah. To be able to to see to as you're going through this exploration process of figuring out what you want to do. Mm. So, um, again, you might need to downsize to be able to do that. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think that's a really good example. Um, so yeah, so those are some, some ideas to, to get you thinking about how you can create more space, how you can downsize your life. Um, so you can start to 
rebuild it and, and craft a life that you're really happy with. And I think, yeah, also defining what enough is for you in terms of your income is going to be really important. What's enough for you in terms of where you're living? Um, yeah, it's going to be very varied depending on city and country. Absolutely. So, yeah. um, you know, these orders need to be considered up front and you might find that you don't need as many resources as you thought you needed. Well, it's like your baseline of enough and then the bells and whistles on top of that. Yes. So if you really want to work out, if you're not happy and you're feeling stuck to work that out, remove all the bells and whistles because you don't need it because you will have bells and whistles, in inverted commas, in many other ways once you go down the path Yes. of downsizing and exploring and being happier and being more fulfilled in, in other ways rather than possessions and yes. costs and expenses and outputs. Yes. So. Beautiful. I think that's a good way to wrap up. Yeah. You yes. happy with that? Yes. So, guys, what is your enough? I think it's, and it was a really valuable exercise that we did about a year ago to pay off debt really quickly mm. um, and to work out what, it's like money just started coming. We were, we were actually in shock. We were like, is this how much money we have left over at the end of the month to yeah. pay off more debt? It was just, it was unbelievable. Yeah. So when you intentionally sit down and work out all of your figures and go, okay, well, I can do without this. I can do without that. I can, you know, I can squeeze, you know, we've moved in with my parents and yep. we've we've made sacrifices and downsizes in many different aspects in our lives over the years. But you do things with intention and this is where I think it's important to also be intentional with your money because when you start paying attention to the money that's going out, then you start seeing where the opportunity is to pay debt, to have extra money in your pocket so you don't have to work as many days at your job so that you can explore other opportunities. For sure. Or take that holiday that you need so that you can give yourself the time and the capacity to think about what you want to do next in life. Yes. So. Well said. Yeah. Anyways, I'll stop there. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in this week. And uh, as always, we'd love to hear your thoughts on this topic. Yep, sounds good. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. So there it is, episode 26 of the Minimalist Vegan Podcast. You can find all of the show notes as well as links to articles and videos about enough. You know, what is enough and and things like, you know, quitting an $80,000 job to go work part-time. There's some really interesting resources about downsizing your life. You can find that all at theminimalistvegan.com slash 026. That's theminimalistvegan.com slash 026. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to our show. We really appreciate your attention. Uh, if you haven't already, would love your support to leave a rating or review on iTunes. Uh, By doing so in your country or region, it really helps other people decide if our show is right for them. Thank you again and here's to living with less stuff and more compassion. Peace.